freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about... Just Mike. Gonna, Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's, like, the buff dudes at? Now, here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Yeah, rolling along here on a, another tough day in Seattle. What is going on with our sports teams all of a sudden? It's just been just been a nasty little week here for Seattle sports. We'll, uh, I mean, it could be worse. We could be in New York, obviously. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just wow. terrible. I mean, what's going on in that city is just hysterically funny. I know the Jets ended up winning the game yesterday, but I would say a bit of a Pyrrhic win for them. Can you imagine? Mm. The Yankees are, what, in last place or very close to it? The uh, Mets were the most disappointing team in the league this year. The Giants lost by 40, 40 to nothing to their arch rivals on opening game at home with the pouring rain. And then uh, Aaron Rodgers lasted how long? Four plays. Four plays yesterday. What a what a great time to be a New York sports fan. (sighs) Brutal. Absolutely brutal, and and I know you find some humor in it. I think uh, Justin and Moore and I are all the same. Like, what? Just rip that script up. I mean, that was going to be such a incredible thing to watch. Ah, just going to be an incredible script in so many ways to see it played out, which is a perfect segue to last night. <laughs> Being nauseating. Uh, yeah, a little nauseating, a little difficult, a little tough. Ooh, Apologize for that. Yeah, all, all, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit of that too. Kind of like that. Whatever anthrax Justin is listening to right now to to try to get himself right. I think that was actual anthrax. It wasn't the band. That was actual anthrax coming through your speakers. The beauty of baseball compared to the sport that I call, and I talk with Benetti about this a bunch because he's the the voice of the White Sox, and and baseball gives you such a amount of time to tell a story, Mm -hmm. to spin that story. And Cal Raleigh's home run last year, I mean, we played it so many times, and the great Rick Riz up in that booth, right? He just started to portend, right? Started to lay out the cards of look at what could be, right? And he just kind of set it all up and then bam, it happens. And I got to tell you, sitting there after Mooney gets out of the ninth, I'm like, no, oh, they're going to win. They're going to find, they're just going to find a way to win. And then it was single, single, single. And you're like, are you kidding me? You kidding me? The Jared Kelnick's really going to get this opportunity to play the hero? I mean, straight out of Bonnie Tyler's song. I mean, go ahead, go ahead, Justin, give that to me. Straight out of the lyrics. I mean, I, this was playing in my head. Now, what people should know, though, this is always playing in Brock's head. So the fact that it was playing in his head last night shouldn't really tell you anything. I mean, it was full bite of my bottom lip. I was like, yeah, right here. Mm, that plays mm. permanently in Brock's gonna brain. Be a, he, he's going to be a hero right here. He's going to be a hero. Just going to put the ball up in the air. He's going to be like, a hero. Justin, can you roll this song in? And we're like, it's already oh. in there. You've asked for it like 10 times before. <laughs> have I really? Oh, sorry. Apologize. We just have a recording of Brock's brain. Brock, we did this for heroes, right? I'm sorry. Oh, you, going oh, you did? <laughs> you didn't like the David Bowie heroes. Huh? We could be heroes. Oh. You want that? There it is. I thought we were going to rank heroes today. I really did. Already done that. So. <laughs> yeah. June 30th. Of you got the wildflower. Uh, okay, uh, no, we're not doing rank right now. We're oh, talking about last night. Uh, yes. Zero to hero from Hercules. 
<laughs> really thought I just could you could not have written it better. And baseball has a way time, of course. Baseball has a way of doing that, of spinning its story, spinning its tell in a way where you're like, here he comes, man, first game back, of course. He's gonna just, you know, be be the guy. They're gonna go out there, gonna jump on him. JP Crawford's cleat was on the top rail. He was yep. ready to jump. He's ready to go. But you actually have to, you know, do it. And then it wasn't quite the hero. So how did you feel about that game? Oh, it, it's it's just I'm sick, sick to my stomach, just stung. You because you were you were there. You you've invested it. It's a it's a thing that you start to learn about this game. Probably a little bit like you that play blackjack, or you out there that play craps, or or you out there that enjoy that. And you know, okay, when it's when it's set up here, if I if I just do these things right, I give myself this kind of chance. I have these kind of odds. There's this kind of opportunity. And last night, it's Logan gives you seven, right? Goldie ran through it at the end of the game. Like, hey, man, Logan gives you seven, a quality start. And then Brash comes in and is filthy. And then, yeah, Mooney gives up a couple hits, but his slider was so much better, and his fastball mm-hmm. touched 102. Yep. And he, he just kind of – and he played the, that hand. And and then you just didn't quite do all the things he needed yeah, to do. Yeah, it's so land. funny. See, I, I guess I view last night a little bit differently from that, and I, and I was – probably equally infuriated if you heard me at 6 a.m. this morning. I was more mad about last night's game than any game they've played so far this year. I mean, I think that's an absolutely awful, awful loss Mm. for the Mariners. But to use your blackjack analogy, I think I see it for two different reasons. One, you it's one thing when you lose a blackjack hand when you're just playing blackjack. You're like, yeah, all right. Well, you know, I got beat. I hit 14 against the 10. I got a nine. I got 23. Mm-hmm. I busted. Like, okay, you move on. Mm-hmm. It's another thing when you're like, hey, I'm going to increase my bet a little bit, and now I'm going to double, and I got a split card. And all of a yep. sudden, instead of $25 on the table, you've got $150 on the table. And that's what it feels like when you use Matt Brash and yes. Munoz and yes. Topa and Spire and the guy who's pitching as well as anybody right now and in, in Logan Gilbert, and it still doesn't work. So it feels mm-hmm. like you went all in on the hand and then you lost. I'm sure that poker players would have a, a better version of it, but that's my blackjack version. Okay. The other problem for me though, Brock, and this is what really gets me, dude, you you, you also just didn't play the book. You made mental mistakes. Yeah, and that's where I got yelled at. I'm just and that's sorry. why I don't I, I play can't blackjack. handle the mental mistakes. I mean that's where I think I was well, in you Atlantic tried to split tens. It was yeah, awful. I was in Atlantic City with Kitna or something for Glenn Foley's golf tournament well, you and were I got Spokane with me when you tried to split tens. And I just got yelled at. This yeah. old woman at the table just started yelling at for me. Good reason. Yes. Don't split tens. Yeah, and don't run to third with one out and Ugh. the ball hit in front of you. And don't, don't do get that. Picked off in September of a playoff race. Don't, don't do that. Don't that, throw a one-two pitch over the middle of the plate and give one of their only good hitters an opportunity to torch you. Yeah. What are you doing? Those yeah. are mental mistakes, not physical ones. What is this team doing, making mental mistakes right now? And don't Gino know. Suarez olaying one off his side hip. I, I, I don't know what to say about that. I'm not mad at Gino for striking out. You get mad at that stuff. And well, text when he me. leads a league and he doesn't hit home runs and he's got a WRC plus of what, 69? But it's not for not trying. Like he's out there, he's right. doing the best he can. And unfortunately, he's not coming up with hits when you want him to. Yeah. I, I like. I would like that to get fixed, but I don't get mad at him when yeah. he strikes out. It's frustrating, but hitting a baseball is really hard. 
You got to get in front of the ball, man. Like that, yes, you do. That, that's hard for me. I'm not telling you it's not it, that it wouldn't be difficult for me to make that play. Yes. But for a guy who's been a gold glove third baseman, get in front of the ball, knock it down at the very least. Don't olay it off your hip. You can't have an error in the 10th inning of that game. It's it's just it's an unacceptable play. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Got I'm me sorry. riled up again. I know. I'm sorry. You, you already expended this energy. I did. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to have enough it. left. And I'll come back to that. Is, is there something to that that you expended so much energy over the course of the year in your bullpen, you yes. expended so much energy digging out of this hole in August. You expended so much energy that other than Julio, who is energy, just boundless energy and is unbelievable. And I, I mean, when Goldie said that last night, like less than 45 guys in the history of this game have been 30, 30, uh, something like that. I mean, it, it, ever at, at 22, at 22 years of age. And to come up as he did there, and after all of that happened in the ninth, after Bonnie Tyler's building blew up and melted down like it did in the video, after all of that, there's Julio. And he steps in, and he just absolutely tanks Yeah, he was doing those uh, flips off the bar like Kevin Bacon was in Footloose, (laughs) I think. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, what a bummer, man. What a bummer. Because it was there to turn. It was there to start the homestand. It was there, you know, as the A's somehow shut out the Astros. It was there. And then that script, kind of like Aaron Rodgers, four plays in, was just ripped up. And unlike Aaron Rodgers, Mariners get another shot at it. I guess I would just say this. um, Playoff teams lose frustrating games in September. The Mariners can still make the playoffs. Yes, And you can turn it around as soon as today, start playing better baseball, and it's all fine. But I got to tell you. Playoff teams blow games. Playoff teams get tired. Playoff games have bullpens that aren't playing well at the same time. Playoff teams don't always come up with the big hit in the big moment. But they generally don't make a lot of mental mistakes in big moments. And if there's one thing that I found concerning and upsetting yesterday, I'll focus on it. You, I don't get up. I, I honestly, Brock, have not got upset very often with this team. Nope. But when you make mental mistakes in key moments, I just I can't stomach it. I I know there's a lot of other frustrating things, and people do have a right to be frustrated. I get frustrated, too, but I don't come on and rant and rave when they don't move a run or when they like those things are really hard to do. Yep. You got you got to get your head in the freaking game. And after watching Rojas with his bonehead plays last week and now this one and there have been a few others scattered in there along the way. Get your head in the freaking game. It's September. It's like 18 it's to just, go. It's time to go. There's it's there's playoffs. no there's no time left for this. Anyway, let me some more bonnet highway. Thank you. Let's go. All right. Bite that bottom lip out there. You're driving on 405. Bite that bottom lip. Just take it all in. Does this make you think tonight, of Kevin Bacon? Somebody's going to be a hero. <laughs> all right. We'll come right back with everything you need to know. To yeah, yes. Brock just does that. It's uh-huh. his thing. Yeah. Again, let him, let him do his thing, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, don't worry about his body. Stop bottom. asking so many questions, Mark. <laughs> yeah, why need we? to know next. Why? Here we go. Here we go. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, honestly, it could have been the game of the year. It should have been the game of the year. Back and forth and everything that went into a September baseball game and extra innings, and then it turned into arguably the most aggravating loss we've seen. Up 3 nothing early, Mariners give it back. Bases loaded, no outs in the ninth. Yeah, they squandered that. Julio comes up with the biggest home run of the year and maybe the most impressive. The 1-1 to Julio. Swung on, hit to center field, hit well. Going way back, going way back. Giddy up, go! 
it! Unbelievable home run. And, uh, yeah, they found a way to waste that, too. A brutal error from Gino Suarez in the 11th. Then they wasted their bullpen ahead of a Brian Wu start. You just you put it all together, Brock. It was a painful loss in every conceivable way. Made especially hard, at least for me, because of the mental mistakes that compounded it all. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was tough, and uh, and Jared came back, played some good defense, had a single early in the game, and it was all set up there. And oh. I, I mean, I honest to goodness thought today we were going to come in and it yes. was going to be the Julio and Jared show. Like, oh, this is exactly what you needed. You needed the fresh legs. You needed the guy with the perspective, and it was there. And the first pitch was the best of them to hit. It was really the only one. Yeah. Yep. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. What did happen was... Sp- and, and look, to be fair to him, I'm not going to make excuses. It obviously didn't come through. Aaron Loop against the lefty, pretty different from Aaron Loop against the righty. Uh, yes. Right? I mean, there's a reason the yes. three righties all got on, right? Or I guess Crawford and then the other two righties. And yep. then Kelnick, unfortunately, it, like, it's a little harder. Yeah, right, and then Dylan Moore gets a 2-0 count with the bases loaded. 2-0 count. Through, too. Just and brutal. Didn't happen. Just absolutely brutal. Scott knows it. You know, looking back on the ball game, uh, you know, you get the, the three singles lead off the ninth, and, you know, that's happened to us a couple times this year. We just haven't been able to put the, the nail in the coffin, so to speak, and, and finish it off. So, uh, you know, once you get into extra innings, crazy stuff can happen. It certainly did yesterday, but let's take a moment. Congrats to Julio. He did join the 30-30 club at just 22 years of age. Unbelievable. It is an impressive feat. It is worth celebrating, even if it feels a little hollow after the day that they had yesterday. And it was good to see Jared Kelnick back with that single going the other way, even though it ended in some frustration. He sure seems to have learned something. Uh, Just to, like, realize how lucky I am. Um, Ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be out here playing in the big leagues, and here I am. And when you do something stupid like that and kick a cooler and, you know, you get put on a timeout, it's like makes you realize what are you doing, makes you think a little bit. So for me uh, personally, it arguably could be one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Let's hope that it is because I think he handled the thing about as well as he could have. And kudos to Cal Raleigh as well. Uh, Broke his own single-season home run record for, for catchers, 28. Should get to 30 as well. Yeah, this team has built up the middle for some time with Cal, JP, and one of the great superstars in the league, Julio Rodriguez. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, it had to be a very difficult tell the truth Monday yesterday. Pete used the word expectations a few times. Honestly, I gotta be honest with with our fans and everybody follows me. You know, I'm I'm my expectations are pretty freaking high. And I operate like that at all times and, and uh and I'm trying to elevate the, the, our expectations to the point where the, it enhances our play. But you also have to manage your expectations. And, and that's, that's the part of it. You have to be realistic. You have to be able to get to the point of it. And you have to be able to reset. That's what I, f- I feel like I didn't do well yesterday. Brock, I suppose the upside is if it woke this team up early rather than waiting, then great. They needed to be woken up and good on them. The downside of the loss you're behind the eight ball. You got a very yep. difficult schedule that was supposed to be one of the easier games on it. And now you got your back right up against the wall to start the year where not a lot of margin for error right off the bat with Detroit and then after that. So you used to say spot. to me, you used to say to me quite often, the Seahawks don't look like anybody else. Right? For for a bunch of those years, the way that Russell played, the way that he created, the way that he played off of rhythm, just the simplicity and so much of what they did defensively. They, they just look different. Mm-hmm. Well, unfortunately, they looked different yesterday or Sunday because you watch a lot of the league, including Monday Night Football last night. Those QBs are under duress. 
They're getting to the quarterback. They're hitting the quarterback. They're getting the quarterback out of rhythm. Every next level stat will tell you Matthew Stafford came into your building and was one of the three best quarterbacks in the league. In the league. With a rebuild offensive line, rookie wide receivers, you never affected him. Pete also said the word felt. Right? We, we didn't feel him. Yeah, we didn't feel him. Yeah, we didn't feel him. Yeah, those guys up front, if anybody needed a wake-up call, it was those dudes up front letting a Super Bowl winning quarterback torch you to a 23 nothing second half on Sunday. Can't happen. Well, I know you got some injury concerns. Uh, the outlook at tackles a little iffy. Pete pretty non-committal on both Cross and Lucas moving forward. They also apparently had veteran Jason Peters in for a visit yesterday. And Ray Roberts. Ray, Ray's going to play a little left tackle for. Yes, I think I'd, I'd heard that. Ray's uh, Ray's lost a lot of weight. I don't know if he... they were in the same class. Jason yeah. Peters, Ray Roberts. <laughs> Stop that. That's not nice. Here's the third thing you need to know. Are you looking forward to it, Brock? In the year 2041, the Jets are going to trade for Jordan Love, and all of their fans are going to be incredibly excited until that doesn't work out either. For now, they'll have to wait on the status of Aaron Rodgers, who lasted all of four plays. All right, I'll uh, deal with the quarterback real quick. Um, Concerned with his Achilles. Uh, MRI is probably going to confirm what we think is already going to happen. So prayers tonight, but it's not good. It's not good, he says. Yeah, it was uh, pretty hard to even gauge how he looked. He was hurt almost before the game even started. So in all likelihood, he's done for the year. Such a bummer on a couple levels. Number one, that was quick game. Left tackle, guy that we know here in town, Dwayne Brown. Right, he shouldn't feel terrible. It's it's a quick game. He he dives at the ankles of Leonard Floyd and Aaron. Get the ball out. Got to get the ball out. Right when when you have that technique up front, you know as a clock, you know the, as a quarterback, your clock in your head's like thousand one, thousand two, ball out. And Aaron didn't, and then he scrambles, and then when it happened, I'm like, wow, oh, is that his foot? Did his foot get caught? Maybe he twist his ankle, and you see the replay. You're like, that that's really weird. But the minute he didn't get up, and, or excuse me, the minute he went back down, mm-hmm. you knew. Because you can say what you want about Aaron Rodgers, and yeah, he's battled some calf and some stuff like that and hobbled around, but that dude's been available for 18 years of his career. And once he sat down, yeah, so did the expectation in the hearts of so many Jets fans out there. (laughs) R.I.P. Goldie, sorry. That said, the Jets Greeny, win. Greeny, uh, Josh Greeny, Allen Greeny. managed to turn the ball over four times in the game. The Jets run mess. back a punt, and over time, they get the win. And also, Brock, the Chris Jones uh, dream has come to an end. He resigns yeah, in Kansas City. So, uh, so much for that plan. That's uh, that's not going to happen. That's everything you need to know. We do a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. I got a lot of Aaron Rodgers questions for you. I'll wait till eight o'clock because I, I got a bunch of different Aaron Rodgers related questions that I want to ask you. Okay. Um, some of which have to do with Blue of Earth, but not all of them, I promise. Not By the way, Greeny, not Goldie, I apologize, but Mike Greenberg, can you imagine? Like He, he had his Rodgers jersey yeah, on. of course I can imagine. He He's whole, a Jets fan. They're he had his whole Jets. spread last night. I'm sorry, you didn't find the whole thing hysterically funny? Absolutely, positively, not even one bit funny. Not for Rodgers, for Jets fans. You uh-huh. didn't find it funny for Jets fans? Uh, no. Dude, it no. was hysterically funny. <laughs> I, I was laughing out loud at the just the storyline again. Not at yes. him getting hurt. I don't. I don't want people to get hurt. Although I don't particularly care for Aaron Rodgers and the way he conducts his business. Yeah. But dude, for Jets fans, oh. it is. It is like you couldn't write that script. It's like the Mets and what happened with them this year. Yeah. It is so. Do you do you understand funny. why people would be upset? Like I wanted to see this play out. Do you? Can you at least? Yeah, kind of. 
funny. I don't know. This is one of those things Bridge where too far. my immediate reaction was to laugh hysterically, and it Justin, surprises me. Justin, that other who was Libby's biggest rival growing up? Who was White your Whitefish Montana? The there bull, you go, the Bulldogs. See, with Salky, this is a lot of New York. You know, this is the whole New York. It's not thing. just New York, though. Nah, it's Jets it fans. really is. No, it's not. It's different. It's Jets fans. Okay. It's Yankee Jets fans. Fan. No, they're they're different types of people, bro. <laughs> First of all, they're not the same people. Right. Yankees fans are Giants okay, fans. Explain they're it to arrogant. me. It's totally explain different. It to me we'll do it at eight o'clock. Coming up next, are we back to the same old question we fought about last year? I certainly hope not. It's next on Brock and Salk. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. By the way, a lot of people on the text line agree with me. Oh, yeah? I've grown up here in Washington my whole life. I have the same reaction as Salk. Do I feel good about it? No, but I got to agree. It was pretty funny. Maybe Rogers can take a bath in the Akashic Ocean. Oh. Maybe Russ's doctor could write him a note about how he's going to come back better than before. I like the one of uh, how's the NFL going to change rules on quarterback hits after this. <laughs> I'm with Salk. I was rolling on the ground laughing. Wow. I loved it. Ha, ha, ha. One person says not appropriate, but I don't know. I think a lot of people did agree. Dude, it was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. I mean, of all the things that could happen, just the way it went down so quickly and so shockingly. Anyway, we'll dig into that in a little bit greater detail coming up here in a half hour at 8 o'clock. Uh, Brock, we had our, our conversation with Pete yesterday, which you know, usually fills me with some hope afterwards and makes me feel good. I got to say, I didn't feel great after it yesterday the way I Mm-mm. often do. Mm-mm. It was just, I didn't, I don't feel like I understand still what happened. Do you? <sighs> I mean, the explanation there, if you read into it a little bit, and I think Justin hit on this more a little bit in our show notes last night, that as they listen from afar and, and you're sitting there looking at Pete in the eye is, you go into halftime, and that game very easily should have been 16-7. Right? They miss a long field goal. You block one of their field goals. Jason Myers, your captain, one of the you know clutch kickers, especially under 50 yards. So you go into the halftime at 16-7, like, yep, this is the way it's supposed to go. Yep, we're supposed to supposed to now beat these guys down. Yeah, yeah, we got this thing. I got to tell you, and maybe this is my little grasshopper in me, but when they miss that field goal in 13-7, mm-hmm. I'm like, who, who gets mm-hmm. the ball? Oh, the Rams get the ball first. And they went up and down the field. Well, they're very lucky, by the way, that it wasn't 13-10. I mean, the Rams very easily could have tied up or, or gotten it closer at half before yeah. the half. Yeah, they missed a field goal, and you blocked a field goal. Yeah. So, But they butchered mo- that whole sequence. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And you thought, okay, well, now they're going to get a little discombobulated. Now this is what we do, right? When all we do is preach finish. It's not how we start. It's how we finish. Like, yeah, now we're going to go finish these guys off. And instead, the second half started, well, much like their first drive. They went right down the field. Kind of like Minnesota did in the preseason with what's his name, Mullins, right down the field, converting third downs, throwing to open people, not making plays on the ball. And then they took the lead, and it's like, oh, crap. Wow, we're, we're actually down in our own building? This isn't supposed to happen. And then a three and out, and then it just started to, to snowball. And they gained all the momentum, and the Seahawks did nothing to stop it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, a, that was a script. Hey, listen, Pete Carroll's lost openers, right? You, you go back and look. Though, in the 14-year salt, there's only one other one, and it was early, that felt like this one, where it just wasn't competitive in the second half. <laughs> all these games are one-score games. They're all close, right? The NFL's close. And this is Matthew Stafford. This is a rebuilt Rams team. This is a younger team than you. I'm supposed to come in here and do that. So, yeah, it was a – I would agree with you. I didn't walk away from that going, okay, yep, we'll fix this, we'll fix this, we got this. Yep, it was more of, dang, this felt as much mental – is it did physical, and that was super frustrating. One of the questions that we seem to keep coming back to is scheme versus personnel. 
and maybe specifically with the defense. I think there's a different conversation maybe today with the offense, but starting with the defense. Yep. Are we back to this same question about scheme versus personnel? And I, I don't think that we are yet. I found myself kind of going through this last night, but the communication issues should be gone. Like, I don't want to hear about communication issues this year, not in another year with your defensive coordinator, not with Bobby Wagner back, not with the, um, I mean, Andre like, Diggs, not with Julian yeah, Love. I, just, I don't players. want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it being communication issues, especially when you chose not to play all your starters in the preseason. Now, I, I told Pete yesterday that it was an unfair question. It is. It's an unfair question because they're in a can't-win situation when it comes to these preseason games. Yep. Whatever they do is wrong. You play Julian Love and he pops his Achilles in what? You're an then idiot. How dare, yeah. Why would you possibly play Julian you're Love? You're so fuddy-duddy. You're so old. You're right. so outdated. Nobody plays their right. people. Look around the league. But if you don't play them and then they go out and lay an egg, it sure looks like you should have. And, you know, Cliff Averill said yesterday with Bump and Stacy that he thought they probably did need to be out there. Preseason, guys not getting that many reps. The first time you're actually getting live contact and bringing guys down to the ground and real real tackles and, and different things like that is week one for a lot of these guys. At most, maybe they have 20 reps in, in preseason, to be honest with you, veterans are just trying not to get hurt. So I think that's what we see in particular for the defense. Now, the counter to that is Kobe Bryant played a ton sure. in the preseason. He was arguably the Trey worst played the a ton in the preseason. Absolutely. Mike Jack played a ton in the preseason. Yep. So you're really looking at Bobby and Julian Love. All right. So I, maybe it's not a preseason issue. Great. Because it's an unfair thing to sort of second mm-hmm. guess. So, all right, fine. Let's move past that one. Yep. Then you get down to communication and scheme. Or you get down to talent and scheme. Yep. Shouldn't the talent be better? I mean, like, gosh, I'm watching Al Woods out there making plays yesterday. I'm mm-hmm. watching Quentin Jefferson come up with a sack. I'm watching guys they could have had, like Leonard Floyd, come up with big plays. Like, it better not be the talent after all of the top kind of guys that they brought in. They got their guys. Yep. They spent, spent money on Dre Jones. They brought in first and second round picks. They brought back the guy they wanted and Bobby Wagner. And Jeremy. Reed. It better not be talent, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Well, uh, right. Yes. I mean, across the board, Brock. You got yeah. Tariq Woolen, who you love. Yep. You, you, you like the battle you have at the other cornerback position. You love your safeties. It shouldn't be talent. Mm-mm. So is it scheme? Well, I come down to one of two things. It's either scheme, and there's just something wrong with this scheme that just d- doesn't work. There's something just inherently wrong with the way they're scheming on defense. Mm-hmm. Or... And this is probably where I'm going to put my money. While they do have more talent, it's not at the right places. Mm. And I, I, I just believe, and I've been saying it all offseason, and I don't know whether I'm going to end up being proven right or wrong on this. Hopefully I'm wrong. I'll be happy as a clam to be completely wrong about this. They don't have game-changing players on the defensive line where mm. you need it. Mm-hmm. They've got really good potential game-changing places players elsewhere. But those players can't do their thing if the most important part of the defense can't do theirs. And I'm not saying that the guys they have up front aren't, aren't competent. I think they do have competent defensive line players. And that's why they're better this week, last week at stopping the run. But they don't have game changers on your defensive line. If they did, they would change the game. If they yeah. did, they would get to the quarterback. They don't have a Bosa. They don't have a Watt. They don't have guys that Quentin change Williams. the game up front. And if you yeah. don't have that, it's really hard to be a good defense in the NFL. Yeah, I think that that's a very fair question. 
I think that that is one of those like very legitimate, if this doesn't change, this can be one of those real challenges. If they, if they don't pivot, right? If they don't then scheme or do things to protect that or, or bring other pressures or what have you. I think that that is honestly, I think that is a very fair question and certainly one for KJ. Amora, uh, remind us of that. All right. I, I don't have my Lewis lit voice recorder, uh, for tomorrow, but make sure, you know, yeah. And, and I think Salk will easily remember that one, but I think that's a fair question. I come to a different kind of word through these four quarters anyway, in this one game, and that is focus. And not focus like, hey, man, these guys weren't focused. Right, not paying attention. No, 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 no. Not like Gino Suarez in the ninth inning, not running to third base. Ugh, what was that? What was he? Bro. I don't know. If you're playing a good team that was on it, a veteran catcher, he's thrown out at third on the little ground ball that Dylan Moore hit. He went back to second base. Like what, Gino? What are you? What are you doing? On a ground ball. On a, really, on a ground was, ball with stomach. Yeah, with one out and right, the we're bases back loaded. To that later. So not that kind of focus. The focus of we are stopping the run. We are stopping the run. We are stopping the run. Everybody, kind of like my slow clap. Right. Please. Okay, I won't do that. We are stopping the run, and that was where there was so much hyper focus. And as I said to you yesterday, Salk, first and second down runs. There were such a bugaboo for you last year where you got gashed time and again. There were 31 carries for 67 yards. There was a zero and a zero and a minus four and a minus two and a one and a zero and a minus two. Like they did what they could not do last year, stopping the run on first and second downs. Not on a third and four critically. Not twice inside the 10 in the red zone. I get it. But if there was, hey, we got to fix this thing because nobody remembered our sacks last year. Remember Clint Hurt? Hey, we were top 10 in sacks last year. Top five. Did anybody remember that? No. Why? Because we were a sieve trying to stop the run. So you know what's going to happen today? We are not going to get run on. And what did Dre Jones say to us in one of our first interviews in training camp? What is the focus in your room? The focus is, hey, man, no runs of, uh, you know, runs of three or less. Go look at how many they had. Right. I bet you, and I didn't look at this, <laughs> but I bet you they had more stops of that nature in that one game than they had in any single game last year and i bet it's not close i might be wrong on that and somebody on this text that's sitting in their in, in their office cubicle right now because i can't multitask lord knows that but if you are go ahead and look at how many times they had runs of three yards or less there were a lot of them so that is where and maybe that sounds like an excuse and explanation but I'm going to land a little bit on that, that they were well, so hyper-focused on that. Yeah. I don't think our two answers are mutually exclusive. I don't think there's any reason the answer to it can't be both of those things. Because I think the elite every- ones do both? Yeah. Well, The I, elite well, no, game changers I, stop the run and yes. rush the pass. First of all, I think what you just said is true. I think you're right about that. I think they did put so much. I think what the word you're looking for isn't focus; it's emphasis. There you go. Right. I mean, focus yep. unfortunately brings up the, concentration the other stuff. and it's attention to detail. No, it's emphasis. Yep. They put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh-huh. Right. They spent so much time trying to fix the the run that they forgot that they also have to rush the passer. And the, I, I think there's a lot of validity to that. And in fact, in Blue eighty eight, I'm going to play a cut from Pete that will speak a but, little bit more to that. But Brock, also at the same time. They're just, they're built backwards. Mm. They're just built backwards. And, you know, I got a text message here from from folks saying, yeah, you got to spend the most money at the front of the defensive line, not at the back of the defense. I tend to agree with that. And I also think that... Well, the argument right back would be, hold on a second, to that texter. They did. They spent more in the history of John and Pete ever 
Andre Jones. I know. Ever. But, he was the but number did, two D lineman in the whole But they didn't markets. couple it with everything else around them. Well, I mean, and then when you had Jerry Brock, Reed, and, and unfortunately Brock, that Jerry signed Uchenna Nwosu. I mean, you could say that. Unfortunately, Brock, those aren't game changing players. They're not game changers. They're good players. I'm not. They're not. I'm not taking shots at them. They're not game changers. Not at this stage in their no, career. There's not many teams that have that guy. Well, here's really. the, here's the problem you run into. You had an opportunity to draft him at number five. In, in one week, that argument stands very true. And it might look ridiculous in 10. Totally understand that. Yep. Like, I, I am very eyes wide open. It's not necessarily a – that's why it's not a criticism. Yep. It's an observation. But and, you can't help but observe it, yep. especially when he went out and dominated in his first start. Yep. He played the position that you had unbelievable need at, and he's a potential – He, I don't know if he's a generational talent, but he was a number one pick kind of talent. You had the opportunity to take him at number five, and you decided not to. That's fine. You can do that, but you've got to be judged by how he does. Because if it works out for him in Philadelphia and he turns out to be a kind of player that you, you thought he could be, yeah, that's going to sting for quite some time. That is uh, some good Seahawks conversation. We will come back to them, of course, nonstop over the course of the next few days. Uh, at that, those those debates aren't going anywhere anytime soon. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Passan joins us in 45 minutes. Right now, though, it's time for Blue 88. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88. Blue 88. We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. All right, Brock, so what happened to the pass rush? Why did they generate so little pressure, and is it fixable? Well, again, to our conversation of emphasis right there, of, of attention to detail, you asked Pete that, and I do appreciate this about the head coach. He's a lot like Jerry DePoto. He will answer your question. He will, at times, say, no, Mike, no, no, that's not it at all, or... No, Brock, that's your opinion, and basically your opinion's wrong on that one, right? And, and he will absolutely counter appropriately so. But in this case, when you asked him specifically that, he gave you an answer that, as I said, I think plays into my whole emphasis on stopping the run. Here was Pete yesterday. Why no pass rush, Coach? Yeah, we didn't. We didn't look nearly as active as we needed to <clears throat> in our rushes. We weren't edged out as well as we'd like to, you know, more on the edges of guys so he could feel us. Uh, there's some technical parts of that. When we pressured, uh, they, they got hands on us, you know, and we the ball was out so quick that we weren't able to affect him, you know. So um, it, it worked uh, together for them, and we were down the middle of guys on our pass rush more than we need to be, and he got the ball out really quick so he didn't feel us, and so that we didn't have a factor. We, we didn't feel us. Do you want to know what you want to be in the run? Like to, to, to play team run defense? You want to be stout, sound, and oftentimes down the middle. Not picking an edge so they can wash you down and move you out of the way and create more space so the KJ Wrights of the world are sitting there with a back that has a two-way go. Right? You want to be stout. You want to be strong. On a pass rush, when you got to get home, you know what you need to be? On the edges. Hmm. Think of uh, the, the great defensive linemen. And I would argue in some ways that changed so much of the game. Like when we were growing up, Salk, 80s and, and 90s who were like the the dominant pass rushers they were bruce smith they were reggie white on the they were edge guys right and then all of a sudden came this dude with running back legs and a bowling ball upper body named warren sap and he played in tampa and you know what they did they put him on the shoulder of that guard on a three technique and said get on that edge and go dominate 
and boy did he ever. And after Warren Sapp, there have been a lot of guys that have taken that edge and defeated and blown up that line of scrimmage for a lot of years. They did not get on edges. And again, it, maybe it sounds like an excuse. Maybe Pete would say, no, Brock, no. No, that's not it at all. He might, even if it's true. He probably would because you can do both. You can play down the middle and be sound in the run game, and then when it's time to crank it up and when you're supposed to rush, get on edges. And Bobby had a couple really rough blitzes where he was like Velcro, where he was just hemmed up and tried to like spin move and got blocked and was just like, yeah, that, that, that didn't get home. Yeah, that didn't get home. So you don't get home. You don't get on edges. You don't disrupt the quarterback. You let Matthew Stafford have one of the best days he's ever had against you. That's not going to work. Question number two. Well, on the other side of the ball, what did Pete want to see more of from Geno in this offense? Yeah, Pete is not a guy that likes to dink and dunk the ball. We have known that for 14 years. That could be the style of some. And check down Charlie was there for a little bit to just protect the football, but that's not the way he wants to play. And here was him talking about Geno and really the whole system yesterday. It wasn't anything like we had hoped. They did a nice job staying on top uh, on, on the deep stuff. We took some real good looks down the field and weren't able to get the ball down there because they just laid off us, which we kind of expected, but we still needed to push it and try. And so we dumped the ball around. But I, I think just as the game went on, we just needed to be more more tight and more together and more precise on stuff. I, I thought he threw the ball fine. He avoided well. Protection was good for uh, for a good while. We, we lost it near the, the end the game but all the way throughout i thought the guys did a nice job of giving them a chance to to see what was going on so i think that was all all okay we just needed to work together everybody needed to fit it together better you know we hit this offseason on the one stat sure there's turnover margin and you know it's pretty telling stats always in football but the one last year and over the last few years in the nfl that just jumps out to you is explosive plays teams that have explosive plays the stats and the numbers are abundantly clear your percentage of scoring on a drive when you have a run of 10 plus, a throw of 20 plus, goes up exponentially. It's kind of like baseball. You know, single, 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 load the bases, that's all fine, but you know, you gotta, gotta deliver. Like, I don't need to dink and dunk. I need somebody. You know how many explosive plays, runs of 10 plus, throws of 20 plus they had on Sunday? Two. That's not gonna get it done. Two. One to DK of 28, Ken had a run of 15 where he bounced out. Is it? That's not, you, you're, you're not going to, you're going to go 4 and 13. You're going to fail. You're going to fail. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Right. So they've got to find a way. And now it may be with Jason Peters at left tackle in Detroit on Sunday. Right? They've got to find a way. Use your tight ends. They've got to find a way. Use some of your receivers. They've got to find a way to push that ball down the field. That is not Pete Carroll style. And that's not going to play over the long haul. All right, question number three. I saw a lot of folks last night blaming the turf at MetLife Stadium for Aaron Rodgers' injury and and demanding natural grass. And I just, I, I, I guess I'm confused on this. I thought natural grass was worse. All the comp, all the complaints about Chicago and Soldier Field, all the complaints about every time it rains and how natural grass fields just turn into mud. I was thinking about the amount of rain that New York had seen the day before mm-hmm. and what, what the Giants game had looked like. What would it have looked like out on that field yeah. if they had had natural grass? Which is worse for injuries, turf or natural grass? Well, a couple little details there. Natural grass over the course of the season where you're resodding in Tennessee, resodding in, in Soldier Field, you know, places that can't have it, like North 
uh, and I don't like know what the, what the latitude line is, but yeah, that, that's a problem. Bermuda grass down south, that's A1. But not everybody can have those kind of fields over the course of the season. So give me field turf. Players, I think, largely appreciate and like field turf. They seem that, to be pretty upset about it yesterday. I think it had a little more to do with Leonard Floyd landing on his foot as it hit the ground just think at so? the perfect exact right time than it did field turf. Hmm. Now, does his cleat get out? You know, does it slip out if it's natural grass and maybe not get stuck? I don't know. Maybe you could send me 20 clips saying, yeah, this is a problem. But those grass fields in environments that can't really sustain over 17 weeks, that's a problem. Big lumpy fields in Pittsburgh and, and worn down fields in Chicago and thought. Tennessee. I, I thought that was supposed to be the problem, and that's why they all went to this for safety. I was surprised to see people saying, oh, yeah. the NFL, who is it? Uh, is it David Bakhtieri or one of those yeah, guys? and then Joe Thomas agreed with him. Like, oh, yeah, the NFL doesn't care about us. They're going to put in natural grass for soccer, but not for us. Like, I thought you didn't want it because this was, it's not like I, I it's mean, the old, I, it's not ideally, like AstroTurf. I, no, that, that stuff was I worse. I get it. That stuff was awful, like the, the old veteran stadium. I, but, ideally, you'd love to play on a great natural grass field, and every stadium could have them in September. Every one of them. Mm-hmm. You could have one in Seattle. You could have a great, beautiful look at the look at the practice field, right? You could you can do it. It's right on the lake, right? You spend enough money, you have the right drainage, you could do that. But through November, and December, and January, go look at those fields in Chicago, in Cleveland, in Nashville, in Pittsburgh. I played on them. They were atrocious. They tried to resod the whole field because it is so bad late in the year. So. There is no perfect situation. All right, there you go. That is Blue 88 every morning. Of course, we do that at 745. You know you're going to get some football conversation every day at 745 with Brock and maybe even learn a little something or two. All right. Uh, I, I was saying earlier that I laughed about Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to be clear, though. I'm not rooting for injury. There are people who said that I'm not rooting for the injury. When it happened, I did laugh. At the storyline, the storyline is hysterically funny to me. Like, the idea that Jets fans got so excited again for the same stupid thing they got excited about 10, 15 years ago with Brett Favre, only to have it end after four plays, that is objectively hilarious. If that was an SNL sketch, it would be absolutely green light in the writer's room. Green lit in the writer's room. Like, that's hysterically funny. Just on its surface, that is a funny, funny thing. And it leads me to like five different questions, Brock, that I'm going to ask you next. Brock and Salk, Sales Sports on 710.